Welcome to Sportsbeat KC, the Kansas City Star Sports Podcast. It's Monday, August 1st, and I'm Blair Kirkhoff. The Chiefs returned to the practice field on Monday, and Orlando Brown Jr. returned to the team. The big left tackle wasn't on the practice field and may not be for another day or two, but his agent confirmed to the star that Brown would be back for the Chiefs. On today's show that started as a Sports Beat Live from Chiefs training camp, we discussed Brown's situation with beat writers Herbie Teope and Jesse Newell, along with columnist Sam McDowell. We also talked about a day at practice that was the first one where players wore pads, and we got into a discussion about former Chiefs player Tyron Matthew and the current Chiefs. Chiefs' safety position. Okay, let's get started. Hey, good afternoon. Welcome to Sportsbeat Live. Coming to you from Chiefs training camp in St. Joe, Missouri. We are here to talk Chiefs with you. Please send us your questions and comments and with the people who know them best in the media, and that is Star columnist Sam McDowell and beat writers Herbie Teope and Jesse Newell. We're sponsored by First Federal Bank. You'll hear from them later in the show. And Herbie, Sam, and I taking advantage of the nice air conditioning here at <laughs> Bloom Union on the campus of Missouri Western. Jesse Newell has chosen not to go that route. And so what's the heat, heat index out there on the quad, Jesse? All I know is I'm sweating on this black table. So I hope the people appreciate the uh, sacrifices I go through when there are four ugly mugs on your screen. At least there's some beautiful scenery in the back of me. There is. And once again, I, I liken it to Augusta. I'm just waiting for the birds to chirp in the background. So we, we had some of that this weekend. Okay. Um, so we're here and the Chiefs are here. There was one Chief who was not here, but he's expected to be here pretty soon. And that is Orlando Brown Jr. That's the news of the day. So um, uh, left tackle who was offered a long-term deal after last year, decided to turn it down, has been given the franchise tag. He's going to play this year for $16.7 million. And um, he did not come to camp the first uh, the first week. Herbie, explain it to, remind me and explain to our audience that uh, what exactly was uh, was Orlando Brown Jr.'s position, uh, and and why didn't he show up the first week of camp? Well, technically, he didn't necessarily have to because he's not under contract. When the player is franchise tag, they don't sign the tender yet. Uh, they don't necessarily have to be here, and the team cannot levy a financial fine on him. But now that he is, uh, our colleague Sam McDowell reported roughly about an hour ago that he did he is actually physically in St. Joe. Uh, once he signs that tender, now he's under contract, so he has to, you know, he'll go through the conditioning phase, and then the Chiefs have to decide if they want him to go ahead and practice based on his conditioning. Now, here's a change to the CBA. In the past years, players had to go through an acclimation period, but Andy Reid alluded it, to it today during his uh, post-practice news conference that, you know, they can realistically put him on the field now. But I think what you're probably going to end up seeing is they will see where he is after his conditioning because it makes no sense. you got your starting left tackle here. You don't want to put him out there if he's not ready for the physical stuff. Right. I absolutely don't expect him to be out there right away. Um, and so, Jesse, what were we hearing about Orlando Brown and what he was doing away from camp? Uh, or Yeah, away, away from training camp. Uh you know, through the summer, and uh, of course, he was not—he uh, was not part of OTAs either. 
Yeah, I mean, the first report of him coming to camp today or showing up in camp today was from Robert Griffin III, who in his basically spoke about how Orlando Brown was in the best shape of his life and ready to come into camp. And I think some of that you have, sort of have to tune through a filter because most likely the information he's getting is from the sources you would think he's getting his information from, which is likely either uh, you know Orlando Brown's people or his agent. So we'll see when he comes in here. But uh, I think Herbie sort of hit on the main point here, which is this is mostly just avoiding the catastrophic circumstance for the Chiefs, which would have been Orlando Brown being upset enough to either hold out all the way, or hold out's the wrong word, but not come to camp all the way until um, potentially right before the first game to put the Chiefs in a lurch or not decide to just not play under that franchise tender and, and not sign the franchise tag, which would make him $16.7 million. So it seems like so many weeks of the offseason, we can only talk about what's directly in front of us. And so Orlando Brown was the biggest topic directly in front, obviously as the left tackle for the Chiefs, but this sort of avoids becoming a big story. There's enough time now to get into camp, to get acclimated, to get in the playbook, to get in the shape that the Chiefs should not be affected for week one against Arizona. So that's probably the best outcome that this thing could have happened once they didn't come to a long-term deal. Yeah, Sam, look, it would have been a bad deal for the Chiefs to, you know, they've been running uh, Roderick Johnson at left tackle and Andrew Wiley played there in the, the most previous practice. You know, it would have been bad for the Chiefs to, to not have Orlando Brown Jr., but I think it would have been a disaster for Orlando Brown Jr. not to come to camp. Yeah, I mean, he had, I think, the most to lose by not being here. So I think he made a decision that validates the Chiefs made the right call by franchise tagging. I mean, their risk was obviously minimized today. But, um, you know, he made even a better decision for himself. I mean, he would have been late as far as, you know, I mean, he might not technically have to go through the acclimatization period, but he's still going to have to get acclimated to playing NFL football. And that needed to come in training camp and not, you know, two weeks before the season, because, you know, I wrote this last week. I talked to several professional trainers. They said he's going to have some things that are going to bother his body because his body is moving in a way it hasn't moved in a while at NFL game speed. Um, but I'm still interested to see, you know, I can't help but think a year ago. Um, when Tyron Matthew didn't get his deal. And then, you know, he told me in March it affected him all year long, knowing that he was playing for his next contract. Players take that differently. You know, the contract year is a cliche phrase, but that's not how every player takes it. And it's going to be interesting to see how, how Orlando Brown Jr. takes it. I'll say this before we go to uh, – we'll go to Andy Reid and hear his comments today on Orlando Brown Jr., including a little funny exchange with Sam McDowell. Um, you, you know, Tyron Matthew had proved himself to me as, as an NFL player. He was already an all, you know, a pro bowler, all pro. It was really at the, the, the top of his position. Orlando Brown's tr still trying to get there and still trying to gain, you know, uh, a foothold in, in, among NFL left tackles and wanted the, the type of money that would have made him among the highest paid NFL left tackles. I'm not sure his play warrants that. In fact, I think what the chief chiefs offered him in terms of a long-term deal and the guaranteed money probably is, uh, you know, more worthy than, than his career so far, or what, what he, what he showed for the chiefs in, you know, the, the one year he's played left tackle. So I think he's, I'm, it's, it's good that he's here. I expect him to be walking down the, the, uh, the path tomorrow morning uh, to, you know, to, to, no matter what he does on the, on the field, but I, I think he'll be on the path tomorrow morning, and he'll begin his, you know, his uh, uh, his, his season of uh, having to really, I think, prove himself. 
Yeah, there is a little bit of a difference. Um, you know, I'm going to reference that Tyron Matthews situation. I mean, Brett Veach did tell Jesse and Herbie last week that they still view Orlando Brown and their long-term plans. Now, we heard that about Tyron Matthew at this time last year, too, from, from those same people. Um, I do think it's more plausible that, you know, they want Orlando Brown beyond this year. Maybe he doesn't feel the same pressure of feeling like he's playing for um, – you know, to have any interest from the team he's currently on, but he's without a doubt playing for his next contract. And you mentioned it, Blair. I mean, it's not just a guy that has produced before and therefore all he, got to, all he has to do is repeat himself. I think Orlando Brown has to take a step forward in order to get the contracting ones, not just prove he can repeat it, what he did last year. But he says, I think he's trying to tell Chiefs if next year he doesn't get a contract, he's likely to be a longer holdout. I think that's right. Okay, let's hear what let's hear what Andy Reid had to say about the Orlando Brown situation. I've been to reports on when show up today. What's the ramp up period like if that is the case? How many days until he can really get going? Yeah, so I mean, you have the right to, I guess, throw him back in and go. We'll, uh, you know, when he gets here, we'll talk to him and see where he's at, and then um, you know, be smart with it. So. Yeah. Um, I haven't seen him. Oh, there's a good chance. I, you know, when when the fish is in the boat, then I'll let you know. <laughs> <laughs> How important is it for the fish to be in the boat and to get here with enough time to get ready for the, the preseason? Yeah, well, you said it. I mean, that's what it that's what it is. It's it's hard to mimic uh, the game speed and putting the uniform on and so on, helmet and pads on uh, when you're doing stuff on your own. So. You got to you got to go through that to um, you know get yourself right, and he understands that. See, so, so what do you think? If let's just say Orlando Brown is you know on the practice field tomorrow in some way or another, is he? Um, you think there's enough time for him to get ready for a preseason game against the Chicago Bears in less than two weeks? Uh, I don't know about preseason, but I don't know the preseason really matters, right? I mean, you can or whoever you want to at left tackle. The big picture here is week one and beyond. And again, if this, uh, if I'm not signing the tag and if him not showing up to camp continued to be a story and then you start to get to a point where you're like, uh, okay, is it going to be a, a matter of him being able to, uh, to be ready for week one, week two, week three, then you're starting to talk about the real game. So I don't know. Again, they're, they're going to ease him in, as Sam said, most likely, and not rush things uh, through to him, uh, through with him. But uh, I just don't know that Chicago Bears really matters that much. I think the Chiefs need to circle that game one, and when it really matters, need to have Orlando Brown ready to go and, and protect Patrick Mahomes' blind side, and I think that's going to happen. Uh, Herbie, uh, with um, uh, without Orlando Brown to practice this past week, since the Chiefs had been to camp, you know they they act, they did get a chance to look at, at other players there. What, what do you think this might say or? Or what might happen now with offensive line depth, knowing that Orlando Brown's going to be back at tackle? Um, has your mind changed at all about who the the eight or nine offensive linemen are going to be for this team this season? I think, if anything, with Orlando Brown set to return and the fact that you had uh, Roderick Johnson running with the ones since the last week of uh, OTAs and then all through mandatory minicamp and now through the first week of training camp, he's probably got the inside track to be the all important swing tackle because he can play right and left tackle. 
after that, then, you know, you, you're going to have to figure out what you want to do with Darren Kennard and even Jaron Christian, because he's also competing for that swing role as well as Kennard, because Kennard has lined up at right tackle and left tackle. So you got to identify those guys first. But Brown getting in camp now is the big piece and then let every all the other pieces fall around them. Okay. And Muddy asked again, did the, who did the Chiefs release to make room for Orlando Brown Jr.? They haven't done anything yet. No, they haven't done anything uh, yet. You got to expect something like that will come down the pipe here as soon as he puts pen to paper, though. Okay. All right. Look, um, if, if it hadn't been for the Orlando Brown Jr. news today, we would have led with first day in pads practice. So we'll talk about that as soon as we hear from First Federal Bank. When I bought my first home, I was searching for listings and negotiating all on my own. Now I'm back in the housing market and I could not imagine doing that again. But then I found First Federal Bank of Kansas City's expert loan advisors at ffbkc.com. They were kind, knowledgeable, and available 24-7. My loan advisor answered my questions and helped me feel confident all the way through closing. I trust First Federal Bank because they understand banking is personal. Apply today for a home loan at ffbkc.com homes. First Federal Bank of Kansas City. Member FDIC Equal Housing Lender. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hey, this is Blair. There are several ways to access the Star Sports section. Let me tell you about a couple of them. There is Sports Pass. For $12.99 a month, you get unlimited digital access to all of the Star Sports content, including beat writing, columns, features, pretty much everything we write. The deal renews monthly until you tell us to cancel. For $159.99 a year, you get everything the Star has to offer digitally, including sports and the e-edition. Go to KansasCity.com and drop down to the bottom of the page where it says start a subscription for more information. Your support has never been more important. As always, thanks for reading and listening. We're back on Sportsbeat KC, Sportsbeat Live. Sportsbeat KC is the podcast that this program will become later, but we're on Sportsbeat Live from training camp with beat writers Jesse Newell and Herbie Teope and columnist Sam McDowell. It was um, it was giddy in the press tent above the practice field today because it was first day in pads. Herbie, I know you were pretty excited about it. I, with you know, th- it was first day in pads, and so there was contact, but no tackling to the ground quite yet. Is there? No, not yet. And you've got to go back to last year because with all the CBA rules in place now, player safety, etc., it's not going to be like it was 10, 10, 15 years ago where you had two a days. And then one of those two a days was just flat out smash mouth football. Now you have to you have to ease into it. And Andy Reid mentioned today uh, after practice that the players are going to have to go through the same process they did without pads. So that you're going to have a ramp up period. Today there was contact. You did hear pads smacking, but tackling to the ground is probably not going to occur for about another maybe three or four days, and then we're going to see that. All right. So did you see anything today that that stood out? Uh, now that they do have pads. Uh, the one thing that stood out to me was a number of players that went into the tent to get some water. Uh, uh, but what, how about uh, b- between you and Jesse, did you guys see anything today that uh, uh, that uh, really caught your eye? Well, for me, you know, the first day of pads, 
I make a beeline or I always try to find where the offensive linemen and defensive linemen are lining up because now you can actually see how they look uh, with contact. I'll tell you this, George Karloftis, you heard Frank Clark talk about him on Saturday and how that rookie excited him, and you saw why. During one-on-one drills, I mean, I'm, I'm looking at my notes here, a bull rush on 68, Evan, oh boy, starts with a K. <laughs> <laughs> the, uh, okay, number sixty-eight different offensive line. He just bull rushed them, <laughs> and just was in the bat in the pocket before you knew it. His last pass rush against uh, seventy-one, uh, Roderick Johnson just embarrassed him. And then who was the first one to uh, welcome him after that effort? There, Frank Clark. Frank Clark gave him a big bro hug, big high five, and you heard all the fans over there that were watching those drills. Way to go, young man! Way to go, George! Carlotta's, uh, he's got that motor, nonstop effort. How about you, Jesse? Anybody, anybody stick out to you today? Well, I want Jesse to try to pronounce the guy's last name. Uh, no, that was all you, Herbie. You were over on the lineman, so I'm going to leave that all up to you. Uh, by the way, I'm starting to realize the definition of hot seat. Uh, it is a black metal chair I'm sitting on that is now in the sun here in St. Joseph. So any of those coaches, those college football coaches that are out there and talking about the hot seat, it is no fun to sit on the hot seat. Uh, no, I was watching more of seven on seven from the uh, the comfy confines of the uh, media tent, and uh, so did, did not watch as much of those drills. But uh, I would say not as much stood out today. But I think just a continuation of what we talked about, Blair, and this is what I wrote about that's up on the Kansas City Star right now, which is you are starting the pads come on, and there's more training camp left. But we talked with Brett Veach about how he's so interested in the running back battle that's going on, and this trend continued. Uh, Isaiah Pacheco was taking some first team reps, so. Uh, that's another rookie to watch, guys. I mean, I, we've talked about all these rookies, like Joshua Williams, a fourth-round pick, has kind of emerged. Trent McDuffie has kind of taken over their number one corner spot and run with it. Brian Cook's been on the field for a lot of stuff, especially uh, you know when they get into their uh, dime packages, that sort of stuff. So you see a lot of rookies sort of meeting expectations. But the fact that Isaiah Pacheco's out there getting first-team reps alongside uh, you know Clyde Edwards-Laris that's also subbing in, and then Jarek McKinnon, I think it tells you something, and then it's also keeping an eye on Ronald Jones. You know, I was the guy that wrote earlier this offseason how Ronald Jones' power and how he immediately hits a hole, how that could really help the Chiefs move the pile forward, and instead of getting four or five yards, getting eight or nine yards and being a big difference for the offense. But he's mostly been with the twos here so far. So just something to keep an eye on with that running back battle. And like I said, Brett Veach, when we talked to him a couple days ago, seemed very interested in how that was going to turn out. He likes that room, and he thinks it's a very crowded room. For sure. Hey, so one thing that caught all of our eyes uh, at the toward the end of practice was uh, Patrick Mahomes limping. And uh, what what is there an update on that? Uh, any one of you who have heard anything uh, just from from the end of practice? Is there an update on Patrick Mahomes? Let Herbie well, take this one. Go, Herbie. Well, we actually um, the Kansas City Star had an opportunity myself and Jesse Newell to sit down with Patrick Mahomes. Of course, that was obviously my first question. And he essentially, you know, confirmed what Amy Reed said. Someone stepped on him. And then he also went on to say the nature of his position, someone, you know, offensive lineman will always step on him. But he didn't feel any pain, so he knew he was okay. And the fact that he talked to us tells you he's fine because the Chiefs were not going to give him to us if he was hurt. <laughs> right. True that. Uh, true that. And the other – and I'll just take uh, – I'll, I'll take this one, uh, Herbie, that uh, Jody Fortune didn't practice today, added to the injury list. And Herbie, hoping beyond hope that Jody Fortune returns soon. Hey, say Sam, I wanted to ask you um, – so Dan asked about uh, how bad does not signing Matthew hurt the Chiefs and did they have a real chance of signing him. 
nobody spent more time with Tyron Matthew than uh, th- than you did in between seasons. And you had an interesting observation about Tyron Matthew just today. Yeah, he hasn't been at um, at Saints training camp. He's got a personal family matter, is what they're terming it. Um, but Dennis Allen, the the Saints' first year head coach. I, first of all, I can't believe I'm the one bringing New Orleans up in this conversation. This is the first <laughs> time ever that Kirby has not been the one to bring up New Orleans. <laughs> but um, uh, <laughs> but Dennis Allen said they're going to give him as much time as he needs. Um, and so we don't know what that personal situation is. But he's not a guy who misses practice very often. And and so. Um, you know, hopefully everything's okay with him and, and certainly with his family because, again, that's what they've termed it. But to get to the, the, the other part of Dan's question, I mean, they had a chance, but that it was their choice that they, they're the ones who elected not to go that route. They went younger with Justin Reed. Um, you know, I know also in, as part of that sit-down that Jesse and uh, Herbie had with, with Brett Veach that Justin Reed came up. So I should probably pass the baton to at Jesse Newell to, um, to <laughs> let him finish this off on, on Justin Reed. Hey, don't hate on me. I'm trying to bring up the Twitter follower count. Okay. There's nothing wrong with that. <laughs> nothing wrong with that, Sam. Uh, no, I did ask uh, because the chiefs targeted Justin Reed early in the off season. Uh, and I'd asked Brett Veach kind of what was the thinking with that. So this will be in a future story at, at can as well. But he talked about, and I thought the answer was fascinating. He talked about how, uh, when the Chiefs play teams like the Ravens and like the Bills, where you have a running quarterback, that when you're in your nickel package, you really need a safety to be able to come downhill and help in the run game. And so they saw that in Justin Reed. And just I think the describing word that, that Beach used at one point was like a missile. They see him coming down like a missile and being able to help out in the run game. And so, you know, from what we've seen in press conferences so far, Justin Reed kind of has that presence in a very different way at the podium than uh, Tyron Matthew does. Tyron Matthew kind of hard on his sleeve. Justin Reed is very professional and, uh, you know, very good talker. Uh, seems to be like he could take over sort of a, a leadership role in that regard as well. But uh, to me, talking to Veach about that, uh, kind of like the question, going back to like what you said, Sam, I mean, they had a chance to sign him, but they targeted Justin Reed very early and, and made a concerted effort to go after him. As you said, they do tend to uh, go young with their free agent signings. We've seen that time after time. Justin Reed is a younger player, but they seem to love what he can do in the run game. And if you specifically think about some of the top opponents in the AFC, like a Josh Allen, like a Lamar Jackson, he specifically could potentially match up very well against those guys. The element they lose in Tyron is that leadership. I mean, you know, you look at their secondary and they're really young back there. Um, you know, Legereus Sneed is suddenly the veteran of the cornerbacks and Juan Thornhill, the veteran of the safeties. Juan Thornhill has not been a regular starter. You know, he's still trying to prove that he's an every down player in this league. And Justin Reed, I absolutely think has that qualities, but he does, you know, he, he said that Steve Spagnuolo is running the deepest playbook he's ever been a part of. He's still going to have to learn the playbook before he, he, you know, can take on that leadership role and, and get other guys lined up in the right spot. That, that's going to be uh, something I, I think is going to improve as the season goes on. I think with anything with Justin Reed, too, and I'm going to go back to when he originally signed with the Chiefs and he had his uh, free agent signing uh, news conference with us or Zoom call with us. The thing that stood out to me was when he mentioned he had the opportunity to learn from Matthew in Houston. So he watched and he absorbed how Matthew taught everyone around him. And I think at least that part, you know, he, he can transition there. But you're right, Sam. He has to learn the playbooks first before he can be the leader and say, hey, you're doing this wrong. But you can't say that if you don't even know the right way to do it. 
he said that as much in his uh, recent press conference, Justin Reed did, because he was being asked about being a leader. And he basically said, well, right now I'm listening a lot to just or to Juan Thornhill because I'm the new guy here. You know what I mean? I'm the guy that's trying to learn. So uh, I thought that was an interesting thing for him to say, because it'd be very easy to just say, yeah, I'm a leader. And then I, I talk a lot and all these sorts of stuff. But he kind of deferred in that moment to say, hey, uh, and I think this is true. Bill Self always talked about this. It's it's tough to lead from the bench. You know what I mean? Not that Justin Reed's going to be on the bench, but it's like it's tough to lead if you don't know the playbook yet, if you're the new guy in here. So I think that'll develop over time. But, uh, Sam, you make a really good point uh, that that is the sort of intangible thing that's really tough to touch, but it's going to be the thing that the Chiefs probably miss most with Tyron Matthew because not only was he emotional leader, but he was getting guys in the right spots and potentially helping out plays before we knew they were, uh, you know, fires uh, and, and going to be disaster plays for the Chiefs, helping those out before they even started. Yeah, I mean, there's a difference between knowing your assignment and knowing everybody's assignment on the field. And um, also, Tyron would point out when guys were in the right spot uh, before the play, he'd also point it out during the play. Uh, we, we, so, um, also, Jesse, I don't know if this Bill Self thing is going to become your Sean Payton thing with, with Herbie, but it's not, it's not off to a great start. <laughs> All right, I'll, Sam. Uh, I'll, I'll start uh, mentioning Lance Leipold from now on. So that, that'll be the new one. Sam, it's hilarious you say that because the minute he mentioned Bill Self, I was thinking that in my head. Okay, we're going to go from the Saints to Jayhawks time now. <laughs> That's all right. I couldn't stop talking about Bill Russell all day today, and, and half the people didn't know who he was until they heard about it in his obituary earlier today. So we all have our points of reference. Uh, so everybody hey, on this call knows who Bill Russell is. Just want to point it out. It's not anybody on this call who doesn't know that. All right. All right. I'll trust you on that. Hey, um, it, there was uh, in the press tent today was uh, Mike Dana and Herbie's second favorite player, Elijah Lee, and then uh, Travis Kelsey, the tight end. We were going to get to some tel Kelsey audio today, but I think I'm going to save that until tomorrow. And let's have a little bit more expanded conversation about the tight end position. So Travis Kelsey was interesting as he always is, but I think we're going to save his, uh, his clip and his, the conversation about Travis for tomorrow's show. So there's a tease. Oh, come join us tomorrow to hear what we have to say about uh, the game's best tight end. Okay. And also I'm getting a little worried about Jesse out there. We're going to need the spatula to get him out of his seat and uh, out of the heat. <laughs> I, I, was, I was counting these chairs have like I should show you guys this. Here, can I swing, swing it over? Like these these chairs have little. It's like grill marks. You know what I'm saying? Grilled Griffin on your back. So like my butt, my butt is literally getting fried out here. So yeah, you should be worried about me here. You know what I mean? Like, I'm like a little hamburger patty right here. There, there's all a producer. There's a producer in all of our ears saying, "Get out of this, Blair." <laughs> And and out we will get. Um, but for, before we do, and, uh, and Jesse has to sit here for another 30 seconds because he has to hear um, that uh, that we owe a debt of gratitude to our producer, Monty Davis. Big thanks to our sponsor, First Federal Bank. Uh, big thanks to Jesse Newell, Herbie Teope, Sam McDowell. And we'll be back with you tomorrow at 2.30. Join us then, please. That'll do it for today. Thanks to Money Davis and Randy Mason for teaming up to produce the live stream and the podcast. Tip of the cap to Sam McDowell, Herbie Teope, and Jesse Newell for sharing their Chiefs insights. Morning Sports Edition was 31 pages today, and it will be a giant sports section tomorrow and every day. Go to liveedition.kansascity.com for more information. Thanks for listening, and we'll be back on Tuesday with another Sports Beat KC.